This podcast has been developed by Aurora Diagnostics for use by our pathologists and referring clinicians. The podcast is 15 minutes in length. During this podcast, we will cover the who, what, where, when, and why of ICD-10. We will discuss the planning implications to your practice. We will provide a summary of the content discussed. Let's begin with WHO, better known as the World Health Organization. The World Health Organization is a public sector of the United Nations, which focuses on international health and outbreaks. This organization began their work on the 10th edition of the International Classification of Diseases coding system more than 30 years ago in 1983. We now commonly refer to this edition as ICD-10. ICD-10 was not completed until 1992. The final version was released in 1994 and was quickly adopted by European countries. The United States will formally adopt ICD-10 effective October 1, 2015 for all HIPAA-covered entities. Covered entities are defined in the HIPAA rules as health plans, healthcare clearinghouses, and healthcare providers who electronically transmit any health information in relation to billing and payment for services or insurance coverage. What does that mean to you? The current diagnostic codes will expand from roughly 14,000 under ICD-9 to approximately 69,000 codes under ICD-10. The primary diagnosis code you are accustomed to assigning in your encounters will expand. Diagnosis codes will expand from 3 to 5 characters in length to 3 to 7 characters. ICD-10 diagnosis codes will be alphanumeric. The first character in an ICD-10 diagnosis code will always be an alphabetical character. The second character will always be a numeric character. The third through seventh characters can be a combination of alphabetical and numeric characters. Characters in the fourth through sixth placeholder positions are used to specify greater detail of etiology and anatomical site and now include laterality and severity. A code using only the first three characters should only be used when not further delineated with characters in positions four through seven. The format used to display the data is three characters followed by a decimal point. A code is invalid if it has not been coded to the full number of characters required. This does not mean that all ICD-10 codes must have seven characters. The seventh character is only used in certain chapters to provide data about the characteristic of the encounter. Examples of where the seventh character can be used include injuries and fractures. A dummy placeholder of X is used with certain codes to allow for future expansion and or to fill out empty characters when a code contains fewer than six characters and a seventh character applies. When a placeholder character applies, it must be used in order for the code to be considered valid. The chapters originally within ICD-9 have been restructured and reorganized to allow for classification of certain diseases and disorders. Within ICD-10, you will find 21 chapters or categories. The chapters are based on the first three characters of the ICD-10 diagnosis code. 
The reorganization reflects current medical knowledge and modern medical practice. You will also find that combination codes are now used for certain conditions and commonly associated symptoms and manifestations. For example, K57.21 is a combination code that reflects diverticulitis of the large intestine with perforation and abscess with bleeding. Again, what does this mean to you? This means that all physicians will need to provide more specific information to reflect the clinical concepts that ICD-10 requires. These clinical concepts include, but are not limited to, the type, primary or secondary, temporal factors, acute, chronic or recurrent, causation, allergy, radiation, cosmetics, site specificity, symptoms, findings, manifestations, and trimester specificity. Aurora Diagnostics is modifying their requisition forms to collect more specific information determined by the type of testing being ordered. The modified forms will emphasize site specificity to assist in documenting laterality, quadrants, and other sites that have expanded in ICD-10. Aurora Diagnostics is developing ICD-10 crib sheets for commonly ordered diagnostic codes. These crib sheets are being incorporated into the revised requisitions to assist our practices with implementation of ICD-10. Aurora Diagnostics is testing all electronic orders and result interfaces to ensure that there is no disruption to your practice sending and receiving orders and results because the ICD-10 code, and sometimes its placement, has changed within the interface. October 1, 2015 is when ICD-10 becomes effective for all HIPAA-covered entities. There will not be a delay in implementation and adoption, as we have seen in previous years. ICD-9 codes will no longer be accepted on claims, including both electronic and paper, with dates of service on professional and supplier claims, or dates of discharge on institutional claims, on or after October 1, 2015. For pathology, the date of service is the date the specimen was collected. Institutional claims containing ICD-9 codes for services on or after October 1, 2015 will be returned as unprocessable. Similarly, Professional claims containing ICD-9 codes for dates of service on or after October 1, 2015 will also be returned as unprocessable. This will result in a delay of reimbursement to your practice. A claim cannot contain both ICD-9 codes and ICD-10 codes. For dates of service prior to October 1, 2015, submit claims with the appropriate ICD-9 diagnosis code. For dates of service on or after October 1, 2015, submit claims with the appropriate ICD-10 diagnosis code. There may be times when a claim spans the ICD-10 implementation date for institutional, professional, and supplier claims. For example, the patient is admitted as an inpatient in late September 2015 and is discharged after October 1, 2015. For these encounters, 
Consult your payers to determine their requirements of submitting a claim using the through date for ICV-10 codes only, or splitting the claim, which will require two claim forms be submitted, one with ICV-9 codes for the dates of service through September 30, 2015, and a second claim with ICD-10 codes for the dates of service on and after October 1, 2015. Just when you thought, this is too much, and started to take off running into oblivion, CMS and the AMA, American Medical Association, announced they are teaming up to make this transition easier on providers. In a press release dated July 6, 2015, the two parties stated that they will conduct a nationwide outreach effort to assist providers with education and training tools to make the October 1, 2015 deadline less formidable. Where will you be on October 1, 2015? On October 1, 2015, you will be among the other countries currently using ICD-10 today. All HIPAA-covered entities are required to adopt the ICD-10 code set for dates of service or dates of discharge that occur on or after October 1, 2015. The I in ICD-10 stands for international, so it should be no surprise that a variety of countries, from Australia to the Netherlands, use the World Health Organization coding system in different capacities. Of the nearly 100 countries that use ICD-10, let's take a look at Australia. Australia began their ICD-10 implementation process in 1994 with the National Centre for Classification in Health's recommendation that the nation make the switch from ICD-9 as soon as possible. The recommendation was followed by years of training, teaching, and the creation of government bodies to organize the new system. Two years after the 1998-1999 through two-step implementation process, a survey found that it took coders 12 weeks to learn the codes and six months for them to get comfortable with ICD-10. The United States was given this information to mirror their success. The last country to implement ICD-10 was Canada. Canada introduced ICD-10 coding in staggered amounts over a longer time span than in the U.S. Even though they used a longer adoption process and have a nationwide single-payer system, some of the growing pains Canada experienced could have relevance in the United States. Communication is essential between physicians and administrative staff to bridge the learning curve needed for medical professionals. ICD-10 is not just a coding thing. Although Canada's implementation did not go as well as planned, they have recovered from the initial production slowdowns and recognize the many benefits ICD-10 offers in statistical and analytical data collection. Other countries were able to start using ICD-10 also without worrying about EHRs and meaningful use. There are still lessons that the U.S. can learn from their processes. One of the important concepts to remember is that the ICD system is similar to a computer operating system for healthcare in the United States. However, it was released in 1979, six years before Microsoft Windows 1.0. It is clearly time to move forward.
Now is the time practices need to start working with their billing and EHR software vendors to make sure they are ready for ICD-10. You must develop a plan for how all parties will approach the October 1st deadline and the time after. Now is the time practices should also make sure that they have the right personnel in place, even if the training process has not begun. Workers' compensation and auto casualty payers and providers are not HIPAA-covered entities. Non-covered entities are not required to use HIPAA standards like ICD-10, but they have been voluntarily, and in some cases by state legislation making the transition from ICD-9. Depending on your location, you may see inconsistencies in the use of ICD-9 versus ICD-10 come October 1st. The intent of ICD-10 is to use updated language to communicate information about the patient in order to achieve greater quality of care. Regardless of the payment system, the patient's care should be documented consistently. The unanticipated cost of maintaining additional staff to accommodate dual coding was not likely accounted for in most budgets. Now is the time to investigate the potential impact to your practice and determine your state's readiness. If you are still questioning the why, let's discuss the benefits of ICD-10. ICD-9 can no longer keep up with medicine. After 30 years, the code set is outdated and is no longer meeting the demands of healthcare's data needs. It cannot accurately describe the diagnoses and inpatient procedures for the care that is being delivered. During the 1970s, we did not have the knowledge that we possess today. The benefits of ICD-10 include incorporation of greater clinical detail and specificity compared to that of ICD-9. Terminology and disease classification have been updated to be consistent with current clinical practices. ICD-10 will become the new baseline in providing better data for measuring the quality, safety, and efficacy of care. ICD-10 will provide greater opportunity for research studies, clinical trials, and epidemiological studies. ICD-10 will provide tracking of public health and associated risks from health events. The upgrade to ICD-10 offers providers and payers better data to support their operational efforts in performance improvement, creating efficiencies, and containing costs. You will be able to monitor trends of patient conditions within your practice, allocate resources appropriately for more targeted capital investment for your practice, and provide measurable outcomes to support your patients. The greater level of detail available in ICD-10 will allow for better justification of medical necessity and the ability to meet HIPAA electronic transaction or code set requirements. ICD-10 will aid in the prevention and detection of healthcare fraud and abuse. ICD-10 will provide objective data for peer comparison and utilization within accountable care organizations, ACOs, and physician quality reporting systems. PQRSs. ICD-10 and Meaningful Use are overlapping initiatives in our healthcare environment. Meaningful Use aims to capture clinical data for the purpose of measuring outcomes. By improving your clinical documentation to support ICD-10 coding, you are also enabling interoperability within your EHR to allow for the exchange of information that supports disease registries and clinical decision-making.
This synergistic approach will ensure compliance faster than would be possible with two separate implementations. Now that we have addressed the who, what, when, where, and why of ICD-10, let's review. ICD-10 is effective October 1, 2015. You must prepare now. Complete your training, develop your plan, engage your staff, test your systems, complete an audit of medical record documentation, revise your practices documentation to be compliant with ICD-10 requirements, contact and test with your insurance carriers, stay informed by visiting www.adxicd10.com. And please reach out to your Aurora Sales Associate with any questions that you might have.